0: wonderful to celebrate your almost your first anniversary, and that's very exciting. I've been journeying with Dexter and Demi, and little baby's name, I can't recall. Yeah, Thank you very much, all right, um, but we've been praying for you, praying for this family because we're church planters ourselves. Our whole family has got our, our children, Taya and Joel are here as well, and uh, they, they're part of starting new churches as well. So uh, it's a delight to be with you. And I remember uh, our very first church plant about six, seven years ago. I think we were a year and one week, and we had to move venues as well. So very exciting that this church has grown, that God is on the move, and uh, really looking forward to the journey of that over the next few years. By the Lord's grace, Mel and I, we planted 3.25 churches. I'm really excited by that 0.25, I'll tell you why, because uh, the Lord's begun to move in terms of a new church, a fourth church, and uh, probably a little bit older on the spectrum, say, than this church in a retirement village of all places, which is fantastic. Um, People in the last years of their life, they need to find Jesus too, amen? They sure do. And so uh, our first plant, we planted in a very disadvantaged area at that time, Karawarra. And uh, that is the kind of people that God has begun to reach. And they're people from all walks of life. Um, Some of our people are in prison. Some people are orphans. Some of our children are orphaned. Uh, Some are on drugs. Some are... Uh, are suffering different things of disadvantage but God is reaching those people in our city and it's so wonderful to be a part of that because he has a heart for the lost he has a heart for the poor he loves all people from all walks of life so uh, we are excited to be with you and I just want to bless you and speak blessing on your ministry here we know it's not easy sometimes we know the sacrifices of what it takes To get something off the ground, then, you know, whilst it's a miracle, the Lord creates something out of nothing, which is done here. We know it's not easy at the same time. There are challenges involved. And often we navigate difficult times in ministry, family, and life. And I find myself, when those times come, I find myself clinging to a a classic question in Romans 8, verse 31. It says this, if God is for us, help me finish it. All right. If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's actually a statement of faith. I love that last song, Let Faith Rise, because this is a statement of faith. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we cling to that because it reminds us he's always in charge. There's never a time when he's not in charge, he always is. Because he's God, he's the Lord. And I'll admit, however, sometimes uh, when a difficult person comes into my life, I don't always think that God is in charge. I I remember a time, and maybe my children can, I remember my first time in ministry back in, I think it was 2001. And uh, we'd just moved house in the same year. And I didn't know this at the time, but we moved next door to the worst neighbour anyone could have. And uh, I didn't do my research very well. And uh, this neighbor, um, we invited him around. And on the first encounter, we got to share the gospel with him. And as he was leaving, he turned around and he gave us a big verbal barrage of abuse. Can you imagine that? Now, I was very new to ministry back then. I, I didn't expect that. I thought this is a little bit odd. I thought the gospel is good news. Anyway, um, that was only going to be the start of things to come. And this guy, we um, be, would be working out the front, he'd be walking down the street um, shouting abuse. And uh, in those days, they had windows that go up. All right? Don't think you've got those today, maybe in the old houses. But he put his window up, he'd shout abuse from his kitchen, put it back down. And this went on for some time. We sort of got used to it. Until one day, Mel rang me and I was at the office and said, you need to get home fast because Fred, he's smashing down the side fence and he's shouting out curses over our family. So I quickly got home and and sure enough, there was this big gaping hole in the fence and there's whispers of curses coming against our family. It was very, in some ways, terrifying. We didn't know what he was on. And all I remember is praying a prayer, something like, um, God, you're the strongest person I know. You're stronger than this guy and you can do something about it. I don't know what you're going to do. And it was kind of a rephrase, if you like, of that kind of thing I said before. If God is for us, who can be against us? But that was about to be tested as we were dealing with this situation. Well, the very next day, I'm I'm in my garage and I'm working away. And I'm beginning to think about this guy. He's uh, he's threatened our family. He's he's made a big hole in our fence. I'm not sure what to do about it. I remember, you know, as the more I thought about it, fear just began to creep into my heart. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice about two metres behind me and it's the guy from next door. And he snuck up on me. And I thought, he's back for another go. That's what I thought, my first thought. That's my first year of ministry, all right? And I turned around, ready to encounter this guy. And the first thing I noticed is his eyes. There's something different about his eyes. I noticed remorse. I didn't believe it until he spoke. He said, Darren, I'm sorry about the fence. I didn't believe him at first. And then he said, no, I'm really sorry. I've made a huge error in judgment. Will you forgive me? wow now I knew God is an awesome God I knew he was powerful but I didn't think and expect to see him work that fast and we began to reconcile different things we never had another issue with this guy by the way and as we uh, continue in that um, I was absolutely stunned about a God who's so powerful and awesome that he can even speak the creation into existence. He's amazing. And you know, I know for all of us, and even in this room tonight, we may face all kinds of fears, uncertainties. And you know what? None of us know what happens when we go home tonight. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week because that's our condition. And some of us are facing challenges even right now. Some of those are big. Maybe some of them are just a small matter. Maybe some are very impossible, beyond any sense of what we can control. And maybe you're a bit like me with this guy next door. And The more we think about it, the more we begin to process that. Maybe fear begins to enter our hearts. and We're not sure what to do with that. Many times in the Gospel, the Lord commands, doesn't just say it, he commands, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, don't fear, don't give in to fear, don't submit to fear, don't be afraid. That's what he says. Right through the Old Testament it says this as well. And how we navigate these challenges and issues, for me, is a kind of a knife edge between fear and faith. Either we move more into fear and that fear can become more and more crippling or we decide to make a choice like we made a statement of faith today as we sang those words, let faith rise up and we move into what I call mountain moving faith. And these are the moments that God actually wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal his power, his glory, even his love for this guy next door. Boy, he loves people like that. I never understand why, but he does. And he wants to forgive people like that as well. Hallelujah. I think to back to my story, my, my story is the story of grace as well. He's forgiven me of many things. And perhaps I'm still learning what it means to exercise faith. And... We're going to read from Acts 4 and I think sometimes we look at the early church and we think they're, they're the heroes but actually they had to make a choice whether they were actually going to um, move into fear or whether they are going to exercise this kind of mountain-moving faith. They too had to do it and I want us to read from verse 23 and you'll see it on the screen in a moment but let, let me set the scene of what's going on here because in Acts 3 then moves into chapter 4, Peter and John, they're walking to the temple and they are wanting to pray at the temple and they've seen this beggar, probably day after day, but this time the beggar asked them for money. Um, and this beggar had been in begging for many years, been crippled for many years. And Peter basically says, I, I haven't got any money, but what I have got is I've got this name of Jesus who can make you well. And he heals him in the name of Jesus on the spot. This guy jumps up. The crowd are so amazed. Peter takes that opportunity. He begins to preach to them. You know, it's not by our glory or our strength, it's by the name of Jesus. This man has been healed before you. But the priests. And the elders, they don't like this at all. They arrest them, they put them in jail, they convene a council, and then they threaten them not to speak ever again in the name of Jesus. This is where we pick up the story, verse 23, chapter 4 of the book of Acts. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests had said. Is this on the screen behind me? Okay, I can only see let faith rise up. That's good, I like that. Let it rise up. That'll be awesome. Um, The leading priests and elders had said, they gave a summary, if you like, of all of the threats that they had just given them. You know, the priests, the elders, they're up here and we're down here. We know how this works. They've got all the authority and we've got none. And it's very similar to where we stand as the church today in this city, in this nation. It's very challenging. We've got to pray for courage, to stand for the things of the Lord and for his love and justice. It's tough, but here's how the early church inspires us. Um, when they heard this report, all the believers lifted their voices together in praise to God. In prayer, it says, actually. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Have you ever thought about how much is in the sea? Ever thought about that? Just have a think about that for a moment. There are so many... I just created a new word, momi. I like that. Yeah. I saw a few of you. You can take that home. But have you ever thought about how much and how many living things are actually in the sea, in the ocean? There's a lot. You know, they're still discovering new species of fish. Can you imagine that with all our technology, with all our whatever? God is doing it; it's amazing. And it says, "You spoke long ago." They said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Look, let me just go back to the first line. When they heard the report, all right, remember they've they, been threatened. Um, all of the believers lifted their voices together. In prayer to God. All the believers lifted their voices together. You know, that's a nice way of saying they prayed together, isn't it? I think the English doesn't do us justice, but... So when Jesus taught on prayer, he always had in mind the kind of prayer that is fervent, that is earnest, that is desperate, you with me? The kind of prayer that cries out. Now, some of the older translations of the Bible, particularly in the Gospels when it talks about prayer, uses the word "beseech." Ever heard of that word? <laughs> beseech. You know, um, it's not the kind of word we would use nowadays, is it? You know, I I had a great beseeching of the Lord this morning in prayer. Um, Oh, what would you do today? Um, I beseech the Lord. It doesn't work, does it? But it does capture what we're on about. This idea that prayer is actually crying out to the heart of God. Friends, I love the fact that all of you are younger than me. I really love that. You know why? Because I actually think God actually wants to place his church in this generation. Hallelujah. He does. You know what? He is doing that. And as we travel around, we, we work for an organisation called Dynamic Church Planning International. And uh, we're seeing it, not just in a, our nation, but all over the world, where God is letting youth and young adults rise up. You know why? Because they've begun to pray just like Jesus said we should. They were doing this training in, I think it was Brazil. Brazil. It's a next gen training, and uh, maybe one day you might do that. Taya is our next gen Australia coordinator, but it's for youth and young adult, adults. And there's a photo of our world's own leader with a seven year old who've just done a one day training. And this seven year old said, God has called me through a dream and a vision to serve him the rest of my life in ministry. Wow, a seven-year-old. You know, God is doing it. He is doing it, and he will do it more and more. But it's got to start with the generations that's, that's willing to rise up and to pray, but to pray the kind of prayers that are fervent and earnest from the heart, and to cry out and pour out your heart to him. Now, that's what he wants. Now, I believe that's what he's going to do. And he's doing it across our city and in certain parts. All the believers cried out desperately to God, together. And friends, this is a it's a good challenge for us. Let me ask a question. This is between you and the Lord. When was the last time you cried out to God this way? When there was a situation so tough, there was a heart that was so hard, That there was nothing else you could do, no words you could say except you cry out to the Lord. Good question. We're inspired by the response of this early church to do this. We might be down here but the Lord is up there. So that's the first port of call to cry out in prayer together. You notice also the scripture says, the Lord spoke long ago. You know, God has been around for a very long time. He knows what He's doing. He understands everything we go through. And our lives are but a dot on the spectrum of eternity. Let's continue. Quote from Psalm 2 here. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against His Messiah. Great Psalm. First of all, this talks about Jesus is the king of all nations. Amen? He's the king. There's no other. But you know what? The the kingdoms of man and this world will still come against the king, even at the end of time. That's what the scriptures say. And so um, this is a challenge, but my summary is that whatever we're going through as the people of God, he's always in charge and the battle belongs to him, both on an individual basis but also on a community basis. Let's continue. In fact, this has happened already in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. See, the rulers of the day were united against Jesus and there's no mistake in the scripture here, that says they were all united against Jesus, but actually the prayer of the believers of the church, they're all united in prayer now. And that's our weapon. That Seriously, it's no match for what's going on in terms of God's kingdom. We used to have a leader in our church. There's a story from Chuck Sly, and he said this. He'd always ask him, how are you going? How are you going, Steve? house today and he'd always respond this way he would say God is still on the throne he's still there and he was almost happy on top of things when he'd say uh, say this but one day he came in very discouraged and uh, he noticed this and said Steve what's going on how are you he says not too good pastor having a bad day rough week and without even thinking it this pastor said uh What's going on? Did God step off the throne? And Steve just smiles back and says, you're right. He's still on the throne. No matter how bad it gets, he's still there. And the scripture declares that. Do you notice there there in the scripture, it says everything they did, I'm just trying to find it. Thank you. Everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. But when you think about that, it's pretty amazing. Very amazing. How do you know what the will of God is? How do you know? That's a question I get asked as a pastor many times. What's God's will? And that's something you've got to determine before the Lord. But here's a couple of things I'll just encourage you with. His will is always about his plan and his direction. Always. Always. It's not about our will or our direction. It's about his plan and his will. And we discern that out of our prayer and our our relationship with him. And Jesus says to do the will of God is to do the work of God in John 4. So it's the same thing. So will will actually mean to do work for God in some way. And sometimes part of that will is to undergo trials and so on. But what I want you to notice, I want you to notice how the church prays. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's a great prayer right there. But I want you to notice what they don't pray. What's not in it? There's something that they don't pray, which I think is very interesting. They don't pray that the challenges are taken away. Do you notice that? Now, if it was me, I would pray for it to be taken away. But they don't pray that. They don't pray for the threats to be taken away. If you read the book of Acts, it actually only gets more intense for the church. Even some people are martyred and so on. They pray instead for great boldness and power to preach the word. In our second year of ministry, we adopted 20 churches in the DRC Congo. Have you been there lately? Um, It's not a safe place of the world. But we knew God was giving us these churches, right? And uh, the Lord said to me, you are to go. I said, really? It's not my choice of holiday destination, but okay. He said, go. And I remember we had a function in Kenya, and Mel said, you should go, but I might not see you come back. <laughs> That's what she said. It was a really struggle. It was a big struggle. And we were in this... um. Function and the the High Commissioner of, of Kenya after the function, he came over to us. He not, noticed we were Aussies and he said, What are you doing next? Where are you going? We said, We're going to Burundi and Congo. And then his next words were, Can I ask you not to go? And I was already nervous before that. <laughs> and then the High Commissioner says, You shouldn't go because then he lists five things. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. Mm, It's not something. yet, And uh, (laughs) I was really scared after that. And uh, I, I began to think, maybe I haven't heard from the Lord. Maybe, maybe God, you want me to turn back. And as I was praying and before we take the flight, the Lord says, you know, I'm the king in Australia. Yeah, you are, Lord. I'm pretty sure of that. He says, I'm also the king of the Congo. Hallelujah. I said, we need to go. We said to the commissioner, give us your card. We'll give you a call if we need you. All right? But we've got to go. And when we met with the 20 leaders in the DRC Congo, just before that, 12 UN tanks rolled past the hotel. And uh, that did make us a little bit nervous, but a little bit safe at the same time because they're right there. But when we met with the leaders, you know what they asked for? They said, can you pray for us? And I said, how can we pray for you? Would you pray that God will give us boldness to preach the good news of Jesus? And would you pray that churches will be planted all over the Congo as a result? And that's the story that comes out of the persecuted nations all over the world. Will you pray for strength to persevere and boldness to preach the good news? It's very inspiring. The early church did this. And then listen to what happened as they prayed. After this, this is our final scripture. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Would you like that to happen? Would you like to see that? I mean, you're leaving next week, so you could probably see it here, and it'll probably be okay here. But I personally wouldn't mind seeing that more and more, where there's such a mover of God, where we're filled with the Spirit of God, because he's the key witness. The early church learned they experienced the power of God because they were under great fire and under great trial. And friends... Often our greatest learnings and experiences come not from the good times, actually the opposite. They come from the tough times. And any person older than 30, or maybe you can begin to say this, will say the same thing. Certainly those who are 50 plus, which I'm not there yet, will say that. I just feel led. I sensed as I came in tonight to share with you a survey that some people did. ...of some seniors in their 80s. And they asked him a couple of questions... ...but the main question was... ...what would you do different in your life... ...if you had it over again? An overwhelmingly major percentage said... ...we would have taken more risks... We took too many opportunities to play it safe. And we thought, what if this happens? What if that happens? It's interesting, isn't it? When you think of seniors in their latter years of life and their majority response is, we would have taken more risks. We just played it safe. That's a question for us, friends. Are you playing it safe? This is between you and the Lord. Is is life a little bit too comfortable? Because I truly believe the Lord actually wants to put his church in the hands of this generation. But with that comes sacrifice. There's no other way. That's how it comes. Now I'm encouraged. I I tell you, I'm encouraged by the number of young people that are here and serving the Lord. It's wonderful. But the Lord always wants to take us further in that. He wants to push us on. He wants us to be a people of faith and to truly let faith rise up in the heat of moments. There's also these three things. When things come our way, we must not shrink back or be paralysed by fear. And the first thing is we pray for courage. You pray for courage because that's what the early church did. Second, declare God's word. Do you notice what they did in Psalm 2? They declared it and believed it. Whatever is in God's word, you declare it and believe it. And thirdly, they did step out in faith. Pray for courage. Declare God's word. Step out in faith. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the great statement of faith. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's high and lifted up over the earth. He came to earth to demonstrate his love for us by dying on a cross. And you know, even in those final moments of his arrest and, and the crucifixion, he's still in charge. He's still in charge of all of those events that happen. I'm wrestling with a story I should tell you, but I'm going to tell you this one first. And brother, just tell me, did you say we finish at 7.30? <laughs> Is that right? Oh, it's amazing. You, you guys are amazing. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm going to tell you two stories. Is that all right to close? Is that cool? Dexter's not here so we can, you know. <laughs> Bless him. I really love that family. You know, in John 18, there's this great story where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know he's praying. He's most likely praying for courage. And he's asking God to move and to strengthen him before the cross. And very interesting, then Judas comes with a contingent of Roman soldiers and also temple guards to arrest Jesus. And verse 4 of John 18 says that Jesus, knowing. Everything that was about to happen stepped forward to meet them. Notice that. He stepped forward to meet them. And then as he stepped forward, there's a, it's an incredible incident that begins to happen. Only John's Gospel records this. And Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, they probably didn't have lights. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they didn't have mobile phones pull out. They couldn't see anyone. But they asked, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says these three words, I am he. And then when he says those three words, I am he, the Roman soldiers and the temple guards, and I'm assuming probably Judas is amongst that, step back and fall to the ground in front of Jesus. Now Jesus just said three words, I am he, meaning I am God. I'm the one. Now, Roman soldiers in those days, they were hardened people. They knew how to arrest people. They knew how to execute people. But here we see Jesus is in charge. He knew everything was going to happen, but he voluntarily steps forward into that arena for us by dying on a cross. And the same is true even more today as he's seated on the throne far above all things. Even in the worst of the worst time of humanity, where they put the Son of God to death, he was in charge. He still is and always will be. Amen? Amen. And Jesus is doing the same today. So friends, We sang this song, let faith rise up. I want to pray that for you. I want to pray that for you and encourage you in that and to let our hearts believe. And so this week, whatever challenges you are going to face, you have a choice in that moment. You have a choice to believe a God who loves us, who is always for us and nothing can be against us, nothing will separate us from his love. And to let faith rise up. Amen. I want to invite us to stand. I'm going to invite the team to come back. And I think they're going to share a song. But I'd love to pray. And pray for you right now. Just where you are. uh, If you feel comfortable. You just raise a hand to God. In in, in an, an attitude of worship and surrender. And you just begin to say, Lord, I just need you. I just love you. I just bless you tonight. I just want to thank you for saving me. I want to thank you for encouraging me. I want to thank you for the cross. And Lord, I also want to say how we desperately, desperately need you. I just want to pray in these areas. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray how you taught us to pray? And would you let your spirit rise up in each one of us and together to pray fervently and earnestly for the kingdom of God to be extended in this suburb and in this city and nation? And Lord, for us, um, we know deep down for some of us that we have kind of just put you at a distance perhaps. it safe Well, father I want to pray for all of us in this matter that you will help us and stir our faith may it not be faith that is man made but spirit inspired let it rise and Lord as we encounter different challenges not only this week but in this year 2019 would you cause us to be a people of faith not a people of fear not a people that will shrink back but Father, we'll serve you wholeheartedly no matter what the cost. And I just thank you again for this, these great, brilliant words of faith, this statement of faith. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we bless you and we worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.